I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to NFL. What's up, y'all? Jonathan Rollins. Good Sarah. And uh, we're two Americans uh, living in Sweden Talk about football. Yep. At the Sound Lounge. Magic Sound Lounge. <laughs> yeah, baby. I couldn't even get the intro out. I was so excited to do that part. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. How you doing, brother? Sorry, I'm late. I'll just tell everybody I'm late. Skip's used to it. He grew up around black people. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Because if it's, I say it, it's, it's racist. Wrong. It's racist. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but if my black friend says it... Mm-hmm. It's like, I just have to nod and agree. <laughs> no, you guys aren't that late all the time. <laughs> I got a friend. Uh, I thought it was bad. I moved here. You know, black people here, they're Af- African descent, like straight up. Right. And I guess it's even, it's just grossly bad in in the con- in the motherland, so, from what I hear. What? Timing? Like people like, yeah, like <laughs> I have a friend, they're from, they're from Ghana, and uh and she said that she was like, if you're on time to something in Ghana, people look at you like, well, it's your own fault. Like, don't be mad. <laughs> Nobody. Else. We said three o'clock. What are you doing here at seven? It's true. <laughs> it's it's like, usually traffic related. I've traveled quite a bit uh-huh. in Africa, Kenya. I've been to Ghana. Oh, really? Uh, and I've also more than me. been to South Africa. And it's not easy to get around down there. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, people are always late and you just kind of have to roll with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, hey, fuck it. I, I, I'm kind of timely. Today was extreme. I had to go to the doctor with my daughter, mm. blah, blah, blah. You know, she's okay. She's here with us now. She's sitting over there uh, munching on some chips and, and looking at a iPad because we have some stuff to report. We couldn't skip today. No, we couldn't. We couldn't. It's too much. I was just, I was thinking about it. I was going to say, hey, man, we could just maybe double it up next week. No. Mm. We got to do the coaching for the AFC East. Right. There's so much stuff going down. In uh, in the news, well, just kind of major stuff. I shouldn't say so much stuff, but I knew you wanted to. You needed a shoulder. Yeah, yeah. For what we're gonna talk about soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I and mean, I, I felt like it it's was, kind of a busy June for the NFL. Yeah, I felt like we had. It was our duty. So if you guys, if this if this episode is interrupted by my daughter needing something, then it's my fault. I'm sorry, but right. we had to be here. Yeah, it had to happen. Yeah, it did. Uh, mostly, I guess, because. Well, I mean, why bury the lead? Julio Jones, the worst <laughs> kept secret yeah. in the National Football League. Uh, yeah. yeah, he he wanted out, and now he's out. He got he got the trade that he was looking for. Yeah, uh, the deal to well, he gets traded to the Titans, Tennessee Titans. Uh, first, I guess we could talk about the specifics of the deal. The Falcons mm. oh, good. get a twenty twenty two second round pick. Mm-hmm. And a 2023 fourth round pick. Okay. In exchange, the Titans get wait a 2022 second and a 2023 fourth. Correct for Julio Jones. In in <laughs> in yeah, and in exchange for that, uh, the Titans get 
2022 sixth round pick okay. from the Falcons mm-hmm. uh, and Julio Jones. Plus, they will have to pay Julio's entire $15 million salary. Mm, this they ate it up, huh? Yeah. I think this was kind of the key yeah. thing that the Falcons were looking for. Okay. More than assets. I think all that business beforehand when there were rumors of like, oh, they're, oh they've, somebody's offered a first round pick. I think probably what it, it was either a future first rounder or it was one of these things where like, okay, we'll give you a first rounder, but you're going to have to assume some of this salary. Mm. And this was really kind of the main reason why the Falcons kind of got into this trouble in the first place is that for them, I think it was more about getting rid of this salary. Cause to be honest, I, I, it's a little too complicated for me to understand, but I have been listening to Falcons podcast the last week. And Mm. apparently we're going to be kind of in the same situation next year because we've got all this dead money. Uh shit that's going to come and kick us in the nuts in next year's off season. Damn. So we might be kind of up against it again next year as well. Um, Hopefully you got the right coach. <clears throat> yeah, we'll see. Like fingers crossed on that. If you got the right coach, it's okay, man. It's just, that's the, that's the head of it. That's the way I look at it now. I used to think like, you know, of course quarterback is very important and, you know, skilled players and all of that. But if you don't have the right leadership, it's probably going to have to get reset again. So the coach thing is important. Yeah. I I mean, obviously, they're new. We have a new coach and we have a new GM. So for me, I know that there's probably a lot of Falcons fans who would not agree with this, but I personally am willing to sort of give them as much rope as they need. Of course. Because they're coming in and they've inherited a pretty nightmarish cap situation Mm -hmm. from the previous GM. Yeah. Uh, And you know what I mean? Like, I think they did. I think they get this deal, however you want to see it. In my opinion, I think they got about as much as they could possibly have expected to get. Yeah. Um, A 2023 fourth, though. I'd have been like, come on, man. Can I get a 2022 fourth? Yeah. I mean, at least do it in the same year. So, in return, obviously, the Falcons get 15 million more in cap space. Yeah. They're going to use probably half of that to sign their rookie class, uh, which gives them it? The, it, 15, it 15 million. million. Okay, half so of, it's yeah, going to yeah, give yeah. them about seven or eight million to play with. Uh, uh, do they want to actually play with that, or do they just want to hang on to it? I don't know. The Falcons, the Falcons seem to do this every year, and this is probably why they're always like a seven and eight team. You know, a team that's just sort of middle of the of the pack because you know they're. I don't know. They they've Band-Aids. just been poorly managed for yeah. over a decade, really. Yeah, they got to um, get ahead of it, man. But the thing is, in order to do that, you might have to fucking rip it down. I'm, shit, I but that's that. the weird thing. The weird thing is, is that that's not like due to the fact that they restructured Matt Ryan's deal and they did not pick one of these hotshot quarterbacks. It kind of like most people were like, okay, well, Atlanta's gonna basically is saying we're in win now mode yeah. right we're gonna and that you was before be in that mode and then can't win now <laughs> but the <laughs> funny thing is is that it's like they're not tearing it down as a total yeah. rebuild right but they're also probably i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen to them it's, it's like no man's land yeah it is kind of a weird no man's land i mean as far as julio's concerned you know i mean he obviously is happy with the move mm-hmm. uh I'm not 100% sure that he's going to get what he's looking for. I mean, he wanted to go to a contender. He said he wanted to, you know, compete, obviously, for the Super Bowl. And look, don't get me wrong. I think the Titans are 
objectively a better football team than the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. By and large, due to Derrick Henry, I would argue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I I think that they have just the bigger problem on defense as the Falcons do. Yeah. Uh, and I looked this up actually. Um, the Titans in last season, 28th in yards allowed. Damn. Uh, they gave up only two yards fewer than the Atlanta, than the Atlanta Falcons. It we is were 29th. Yeah. Uh, so unless they have some kind of grand solution for how, like, I mean, every, all the reports are like, oh my God, the Titans are Super Bowl contenders now. And it's like, look, I, I will agree with you that facing that offense is kind of a terrifying thought, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, if they give it to Derrick Henry, he's just going to run dudes over. Yeah. Uh, and if you try to load the box to stop Derrick Henry, then you're going to have to deal with with Julio Jones and Brown and AJ AJ Brown. Yeah. So yeah, I get that. It's going to be scary. But if you can't stop other teams right. from scoring over and you over don't, again, this is yeah. not how you win the Super Bowl. Yeah. You do not win the Super Bowl by by like look at the past. I was going to say look how at many, the most recent Super Bowl. Look at the most recent Super Bowls. None of them have been. Offensive blowouts. Like when uh, this most recent one is a prime example of how defense trumps offense. Yeah, exactly. Because you had this crazy offense and had me fooled. Like there's no way anybody can stop uh, Patrick Mahomes and that offense. And then that defense comes out there and just has him running for his life the whole game. And it's like, and Tannehill ain't going to, he ain't Patrick Mahomes. No. If he gets in trouble, he ducks down and just takes the sack a lot. That's his. That's yeah, the knock and, on him. And, and yeah, exactly. And the knock on him is that he doesn't. He rarely looks past his first read. Yeah, that's right. Nice, yeah. I mean, maybe he will now. Now that he has two great receivers to throw to, but um, I think it puts a lot of pressure on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I think their coach is probably already a bit in the hot seat. Very uh, Yeah, I think so. And I think that it kind of it puts them in a situation where. Fine, if they don't win the Super Bowl, that's one thing. But, but it kind of puts them in a situation where there's no way you can not win the AFC South. They have yeah, to. They have to. Right? Win it. If they it's do, a good bet. if they don't win the AFC South, it's yeah. going to be thought of as a failure of a season. Because yeah. I mean, besides the Colts, well, unless they go like get wild card and then go deep in the playoffs. I know that, but I'm just saying, like anything yeah. less than winning the AFC South is going to be viewed as a failure going into the playoffs. Yeah, you but know Carson what I mean? Wentz, man, he's a, he's a, he's a man on fire right now. Yeah, but I mean, the Titans <laughs> are going to play. They're going to play the Texans and the Jags twice a year. Obviously, yeah. those should be four automatic wins if yeah. they lose any four. Wait, of those. wait, wait, wait! Urban Meyer is at the head helm of the of Please. the of the Jaguars. What yeah, are you and talking it, about? Tim Tebow's going to score and more Tim than two point five touchdowns. Yes. Yeah, Tim Tebow's there. What yeah. do you? Are you crazy? <laughs> and also, not I looked at their schedule too. The Titans are going up against the NFC West this year. That's no picnic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to play the Bills and the Chiefs back to back. Damn. Uh, so they yeah, also have Patriots, much. Saints, Steelers. They're playing your Dolphins. They yeah. do not have the easiest schedule. Yeah, they uh, but their schedule is the same pretty much as the rest of their division. So, I mean, they if they don't win the AFC South, it's like okay, well, the AFC South has that same. And you also have a situation where what if this doesn't work? Like, what if what if this experiment doesn't go? Because also the Titans are are now kind of in the same cap situation that the Falcons are in. Like they were already up against the cap. 
Mm-hmm. They've restructured Tannehill's deal okay. to to create cap space, but that's going to come back to bite them next year. If this Julio experiment doesn't work, you're looking at Julio being a one year rental. They're going to ship him off somewhere else because they won't be able to afford it. How long is this contract? He had a three year contract with Atlanta, and but there are reports that he wants a new deal when he lands at this new team. So it's like, Ooh. what are you going to do? Ooh. Um, Damn, so this, these wide receivers, man, hmm? you got to get that money. Um, AJ Brown's reaction to the trade was was quite uh, uh, funny. He said, "Please excuse my language when I say this. Y'all done fucked up." <laughs> <laughs> was his reaction? I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, uh, my mom listened to our last episode. Oh, she did. Yeah, uh, and she said that uh, we cursed too much. I knew it. <laughs> Sorry, mom. She said Sorry, we curse too Mom. much, and uh, she said um, you got to step up your uh, your knowledge of the uh, NFC East. Is what she, no, I'm just oh, kidding. <laughs> what if she got real technical? Uh, I just want to say that you said they run a three four, and what they really run is a multiple nickel. And uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry, Mom. Jeez, I didn't study hard enough. No, yeah. but she said other than that, she thought it was entertaining, but we did curse too much. And I was like, damn, Mom, I'm fucking bad. <laughs> Um, obviously I have mixed feelings about this trade. Um, part of, of course you do. Part yeah. of me wishes him well. Um, of course I'm, you gotta wish him well. I, I'm definitely glad he's gone to the AFC. Yeah. Um, but part of me does feel like, you know, that feeling like when you bump into your ex-girlfriend, you know, like yeah. a year after the breakup and you're, you're hoping there's like a little piece of you that hopes that she's a bit of a hot mess yeah, at yeah. that point. You know what I mean? Yo, my homeboy has the ultimate. You might know Isak Valberry. You might know him. Maybe Com- comedian Isak Valberry. He's a funny dude. He uh, he said he had the ultimate breakup situation mm. where he broke up with his girlfriend and then uh, he bumped into their whole circle of friends. Like this, she won the circle of friends. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So then he had something going on, and they went to a, like a an event of some of some sort. And then he bumps into them, and they're like, oh, hey, how you been? You know, and he knows they've been hanging out with her. Mm. And then uh, somebody walked up and was like, hey, Isaac Valberry? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah. He said, oh, my gosh, I love your blah, blah, blah. You're, you're so funny. Like he, like, he was a big fan of his. And he and he played it all cool. He's like, oh, okay, all right, well, uh, thanks. And the guy like so, took a selfie with him. Oh, that's great. Took a selfie. The dude walks <laughs> off. He's like, so anyway. <laughs> goes back to talking to them. That's hilarious. He's like, he knew that she just fucking hated that. <laughs> I rem- that reminds me of the uh, the last girl that I dated before I met my my wife and we started dating. Uh, it was kind of a hard breakup, and I felt like I kind of lost out on the breakup. But anyway, I met my wife. I fell in love. I kind of forgot about it. And this was in New York, and I bumped into the ex-girlfriend's sister on mm-hmm. the street one day. Uh, and my wife, my current wife, uh, <laughs> used to do some modeling when we lived in New York. And mm-hmm. somehow this rumor got around. So anyway, I bump into my ex-girlfriend's sister, and she's like, oh, my God, how are you doing? She's like, I heard a rumor that you're dating a supermodel. <laughs> and I was like, why, yes, actually. Yeah. <laughs> She is a supermodel. <laughs> she was not technically a supermodel. Uh, but I mean, you who defines that? She you was a model, yeah, and exactly. I think she's, she's super. super yes. So, <laughs> you know. I wish, you know, I was, I was hoping the best case scenario for you is if your ex moved to Spain. Right. And then we got this. 
was this huge, <laughs> <laughs> this huge hit, and she just sees you on TV all yeah. the time with dubbed Spanish over it, and mm-hmm. she's just like, God damn. No, but actually, because when the show went to the U.S., I mean, uh, obviously, I'm I have a few of my ex girlfriends who I'm friends with on Facebook. I don't really talk to them, but you know, you just, sure you don't. That's where you connect, you know. Sure you don't, Skip. Uh, and <laughs> so that caused some of them to kind of chime in, like, "Holy crap!" Like. So that's what you're doing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, girl, that's what I'm doing. I told you I wasn't no loser. That's right. You missed out, girl. <laughs> of course, I was clean shaven when most of these women knew me. So uh. they look, I mean, now they're like, wow, great show, but you look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think you look great, Skiff. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's an evolved look. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, obviously the Titans offense is going to be insane. He's going to uh, wear number two? He is going to wear number two. And I thought that was kind of a cool story. Very classy on both parts. Mm-hmm. A.J. Brown offered him the number 11. Um, Wasn't and, there like a condition? Well, what I, I don't know, actually. Well, at first he was going to tr- offer him the 11, and he was going to take the number one. But oh, then yeah, they told yeah. him, no, 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 Warren Moon. He's, oh, we he's retired. retired. He's like, oh, shit. But apparently A.J. Brown sort of just said, you know what? Fuck it. Here, keep take the 11. And Julio said, no, nah, no. Nah, it's good. Keep it. I'm gonna wear number two. Nice. So, because it's the second team, or I don't know. I don't. Did he wear number two in college? I don't even know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. <clears throat> um. Anyway, it's gonna suck. My wife was really excited. Titans are her favorite team. Oh, nice. Uh, she fell in love with Derrick Henry last wow, year. Wow, they have a supermodel as a fan. They do a <laughs> Swedish supermodel. Yeah. Yeah. When you add Swedish, it yeah. gets even juicier. Yeah, Swedish supermodel. Big oh, yeah. fan of the Titans. He wore number eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, we watched one one of the, one of the weekends, week one, week two, or something. She saw Derrick Henry like stiff arm this guy into the ground, and she was like, "Ooh, who's that? I like him." <laughs> <laughs> and so from then on, she's been a Titans fan. Oh wow! Oh, she's a bandwagon fan. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, but she was excited. My son was devastated. Julio is oh, yeah. his favorite player, and when Sorry, I told him, man. he kind of he looked like a like a like someone had just let the air out of him. He was just like, what? He knew it was coming, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah, you can't control him. Man. But yeah, he was a little bummed. Uh, but he's still got the Julio jersey. I'm sure he's going to rock it still. Just keep going with it. Uh, but it kind of sucks, actually, because now that I think about it, it's like, you know, we're trying to get these tickets to go see them in London. I was just thinking that. And it's like, fuck, man. That now just we... popped in my head. Now you got to buy a fucking expensive jersey. Hmm? Man, now a, gonna a get freaking a, expensive jersey. Now I got to get a Cal Pitts jersey or a... Mm. I don't know. We'll see. I'm That's not getting What Ryan. jersey do you buy for Atlanta? You don't know what's going to happen. No, you don't. I would say, well, everyone's probably buying Kyle Pitts jerseys at the moment. You know, everyone thinks yeah, he's yeah, going to be he'll great. Be around for five years. At the, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Because Matt, Matty Ice, I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's going to be around. We we're literally stuck with him. So we we're stuck with him for at least two more years. Okay. Oh, that's so. the jersey you could get. Mm. I mean, also the other, in the mixed feelings department, I mean, part of me hopes that that this is a horrible failure for the Titans because, I mean, if they do great, obviously we got their second round pick for next year. I mean, if if they go on to win the Super Bowl, then that's a pretty late ass pick. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. uh, (sighs) It's tough on on us fans, man. Yeah. I mean, he's... uh, he Julio is probably their probably the Falcons' most popular player Damn. of all time. I think, yeah, because even those other players, like they, 
you know, we had Tony Gonzalez, we had um, Deion Sanders, but you know, the bulk, the the bulk of their like success in their career kind of ha- happened elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Julio had his prime there. Yeah. yeah, Julio's he's never played anywhere else. So, Damn. Um, but I get it. I wish him. I wish him well. Um, and I'm just I'm glad we don't have to play him twice a year. So you gonna put him on your fantasy? Sure. <laughs> if you can actually well in some ways you're kind of one of the great things you get with a guy like Julio and this is part of this would be interesting to see what happens to Calvin Ridley Calvin Ridley had a great year last year in part because when you have a guy like Julio you're so scared of him that it frees up the other guy mm-hmm. but th- this yeah. is what's going to be so terrifying about um you know, playing against the Titans, it's like, geez, pick your poison. Like, are we going to go after Derrick Henry? Are we going to A.J. Brown, Julio Jones? Like, yeah. what do you, how do you scheme for that? You don't, you know? Yeah. So. We'll see. We'll see how uh, Tennessee fucks it up. With their defense. Yeah. That's how they're going <laughs> to fuck it up, I think. Uh, All right, what else going on, man? I'm tired of talking about your. your yeah, well, let's your move team, on. Man. It's over. It's over, guys. The sob fest. Let is, it go. Yeah, you got, did you get it all out? I'm out. Skip, I'm done. You got it out. Yeah, he's not. You, a are you anymore. hopeful about the future now? I am. I'm very hopeful. Nice. Um, Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? I, I don't think the. Well, I don't think it'll be the Titans. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> no, I need That's a couple. A year more. ago, a year ago this week, I need a couple of drinks in me before I started talking <laughs> that kind of shit. Uh, well, it's probably not going to be the Green Bay Packers. I can tell you that Aaron Rodgers has not shown up to mandatory minicamp. What do you do? Uh, what do you do in this situation, as the team? Do you punish him or do you just hold off, wait and see? Apparently, they don't have any choice. They have to punish him. Yeah, it, I don't think I read an article this morning. It says here the 2020 uh, CBA imposes a daily fine of fifty thousand dollars for missing training camp. Oh man, maybe um, the uh, team will pay it for him. They they can't they literally like the Packers can't decide to not find him like it just is like he's just going to be fine. They could probably maybe they could work a bonus in for him or something. Mm. I mean, it's a, he to stands it. to lose a lot of cash. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he makes all that good money off of those State, State Farm, Farm commercials or something. I don't, I don't. You know, he probably does local like Wisconsin uh, cheese, like uh, cheese. car dealership commercials and yeah, shit like sure. that. Yeah. <laughs> they all do. Yeah, you know how they. <laughs> All the local deals, it's just like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I would never, but I would. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, it's worth talking. Uh, he, if he holds out, he loses fourteen point seven million in salary. Oh, uh, six point eight million in roster bonus. And he has informed them that he wants to leave. Right? Isn't that the news? That's what he said. He want. He no longer wants to play for them. That's what he said. Uh, there's also there's already been some shit talking about Jordan Love. Uh, by who? By some journalists who were at the training camp. What are they saying? They said uh, Jordan loves first crack at the two-minute drill. Uh, barely gets past midfield. Ends with him skying a pass over wide open Malik Taylor's head on fourth and seven from the forty-six yard line. So not looking good. <laughs> That's like. Practice, man. It's practice. We're talking about practice, not a game. Exactly. Not a game. But, I mean, it kind of you know goes back to about? the conversation we were having before. I mean, the guy, you know, 
last all of last year, he wasn't even the number two. Yeah. I mean, he was the number three. So yeah, this uh this project doesn't seem to be working out. So it could really um Did you get my Allen Iverson reference? No. You have you, you never seen that? No, huh? It was a press conference and he's like uh they were talking about um something about him not doing practice. Uh-huh. And he said, We're talking about practice. <laughs> not a game. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you never seen that. No. I gotta show you that when we're done. But uh, I I don't like when journalists do that shit, man. Can you throw a pass to somebody wide open, Mister Journalist? It's a little douchey to be commenting on people on oh, somebody's practice. practice. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, I, I I wish him the best, man. He's in a whole, in a really tough situation. This where, is yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I I hope Aaron Rodgers uh, goes wherever he wants to go because I, I I like him being in the league. He's very yeah. fun to watch. He's got to get out of the way, though, man. He's got to get out of the Packers' way. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, it'd be weird to see him play somewhere else, but whatever. That happens. I mean, it's yeah. pretty, m- most great players do not stay with the same team their whole career. So uh, I just hope he doesn't wind up. <laughs> God. What if he winds up? What if somehow he winds up with the Saints? Oh. Wouldn't that be the worst? Not for the Saints. Wouldn't that be the worst? <laughs> it'll, be, it'll suck for Jameis Winston. I would suck for the Atlanta Falcons so <laughs> hard. It's like we finally got Drew Brees out of the way. We might have a chance to finish second in this fucking division. Rodgers has, what, four years left? Five, three or four. I can't three remember. or four years. I'm saying in, of like estimation was how good like at that level. Mm. Three, oh, four right. more years. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of why I think he doesn't have a lot of leverage. It's like, dude, you're at the tail end of your career. Like, who's going to... Who's going to give you the bag for for two up, years, man. three years? I, I, Green Bay dropped the ball on this. They should have just done the fucking trade. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go do the trade, and then San Francisco gets him. Yeah, because that chance that, – what was that? That was right before the draft, right? Yeah. They, San Francisco was going to – I can't remember what give it was. Give him the third, third pick of the draft. Yep. And Garoppolo. Oh, man. That, that, not taking that deal. What are you doing? It sounds dumber as the weeks go by. Then actually. you get you get him, and then and then you get what pick pits if you want, or the next quarterback. Yeah, however you want to do it. It's so uh, or trade back, get some more assets. It was so much you could do, and they were trying to hold on to a dream. Huge mistake. Uh, yeah, if the player don't want to be there, it's not going to be fun for anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh, what, uh, the NFL race norming. Story was back in the news this week. I don't know yeah, if you guys we, remember. We, we talked about it on Power Meeting Podcast. I mean, yeah. That's how, and we don't talk about football at all. Right. <laughs> and that's just like, now we So for those of you who don't remember, the NFL <laughs> was, they had a, f- a pile of money that they put together f- to give to players with head injuries. Well, the blacks are dumber. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and the black people were being sort of. Uh, Graded on the curve. Right. Uh, because they started at I- I- the th- what was the logic? That- it's like that they they begin at a lower uh, cognitive rate or whatever. Or right. They're, they're they're dumber. So then any brain damage, uh, it, it doesn't it wasn't as extreme because right. they started off dumber. You can't just say yeah. that black people and white people had the same capacity when they were born. Mm-hmm. So because they're dumber, that just proves that it wasn't as much brain damage. 
Exactly. And then when the players are, when the league is 70 something percent black, that reduces the money you got to pay out. Yeah. And of course, it took a lawsuit for them to yeah. go, oh my God, were we doing this? <laughs> uh, did, they, did they officially apologize or anything? I don't know. Probably. Something like that. Race uh, norming. They said they were stopping the uh, stop. They're going to quit the practice of the race norming. They did say that. He did say, okay, so the lawyer who put this together, he said uh, he represents former players in concussion litigation. He says, I was wrong. I didn't have a full appreciation of the scope of the problem. You think you know everything. Sometimes you don't. But the closer I looked, the more I realized that this had to go. Closer you looked, motherfucker. He acts like, like you know, he looked at it more closely on his own accord yeah. and thought, you know, damn, I think I may have done something wrong. No, dude, you, yeah, you, got, yeah, sued. you got sued. <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker. Uh, I, I, uh, that's yeah, really frustrating, man. Um, here's, here's, here's their statement. Oh, yeah. We are committed to eliminating race-based norms in the program and more broadly in the <laughs> neuropsychological community. Is gonna, that a thing, man? You're going gonna to write that in the end zone next season? <laughs> <laughs> write that on the fucking end zone. The parties to the settlement have been working with the magistrate judge and have assembled the leading members of the neuropsychological industry to help identify alternative testing techniques. That, so they're kind of putting it off on the entire, like the testers, the entire field mm. and what they do. That's what it seems like. It's the but, scientists' fault. You know, like the scientists are doing this thing. We accepted it. I mean, what are you going to do? Science is racist. Yeah. <laughs> Science is racist. <laughs> Everyone agrees race-based norms should be replaced, but no off-the-shelf alternative exists. And that's why these es- experts are working to solve this decades-old issue. Oh, Jesus. The replacement norms will be applied prospectively and retrospectively for those players who otherwise would have qualified for an award but for the application of race-based norms. So that means a lot of people, and I'm sure, you know, with the league being mostly black, a lot of people missed out on getting some CTE money because they started off dumber because of their race. Right. That's some bullshit. It is some bullshit. Um, sorry, mom. Yeah, sorry. But that's some that. bullshit. But it is some bullshit. <laughs> we'll call it what it is. Yeah, man. Uh, what else is happening? Oh, the Bills refused to answer questions about vaccine-related uh, things. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay. This is kind of interesting. This could be a very fascinating line in the sand for next season. Apparently, there are four teams with coaches who are refusing to get vaccinated. The league is coming into the situation and starting to... It's a tricky situation because you can't really... You're not checking people for tetanus. No, exactly. Vaccine or TB. Uh, Apparently, Josh Allen, uh, they're walking a very thin sort of line here. I think... I mean, obviously, it stands to reason there are going to be people in in the NFL like there are in the rest of society who are anti-vaccine and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the NFL has started to kind of create some new rules, I guess. Uh, like if you know, you have to have a certain percentage of the team vaccinated before you can relax the oh restrictions. Okay. The restrictions oh, also man. some of the coaches might lose their what they call tier one status okay. if they're not vaccinated, which means that uh, that they can't physically be around the players. Like 
So they're yeah. kind of they're trying to create some sort of an incentive. I, it, to me, like I've read a lot of vaccine stories uh, from the U.S. in the last couple of weeks, and it just sounds so crazy to me that it's like you've got all these like a pretty high percentage of people who went and got their first shot, but just said, "Eh, fuck it, I'm not going to get the second one." It's like what, dude? Like yeah. you guys they, have just they been... messed up when they were saying that the first shot they haven't seen anything of people catching it. Yeah. After the first dose. And they're having tight lipped about it. Like they're having like giveaway like giving away money. They're like Yeah, you said Krispy Kreme was in on it. Yeah, Krispy Kreme is just the tip of the iceberg. Like they're having like big like people are auctioning away cars if you get your vaccine. Oh wow. It's just insane. Like it doesn't make sense to me. Um I mean Money, money makes that country go round, man. Exactly. It's like, yo, give me something. I'll get my second shot. Yeah, what you gonna do for me? Give me a Prius, bro. Hook me up with Prius. I've been wanting me a, a hybrid uh, technology vehicle <laughs> for the last four years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, Zeke. Zeke Elliott is Uh-oh. being sued again for another dog attack. No way. Yes. It's a new one. Wow. Uh, where is this? He one? needs to sit down and talk to Michael Vick for a little bit. He's like, man. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me teach you how to train teach them dogs. Let me tell you, how to, <laughs> tell you what to do with these dogs, man. <laughs> After my partnership with PETA, I have learned a lot. Uh, I think they, was it like a dog grooming place? Took his dogs uh, to a dog yeah. grooming place? And I mean, dogs, dogs bite groomers all the time. My dog would. Yeah. Would, but this when is. When I had a dog. You know, obviously, you're not. Yeah, Z- it's not. Z- there's Elliott. smoke, there's fire. Yeah, exactly. His dogs, his dad had a wild cat hurt somebody, mm-hmm. and now, now the dogs. Uh, let's might, not, might not need to have any pets. Yeah, I think it's go get a hamster. They only live for two years. <laughs> <laughs> you can bury them in the forest. Have a little, fu- uh, have yeah. a little funeral. Yeah, at the exactly. Fifty yard line. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, bury him underneath the star. Uh, How's the other hamster doing? He seems fine. He seems good. Okay. He seems good. We'll see. I don't. We'll see if he he's survives not motivated them. to be healthier. Like he running on the wheel a little extra. <laughs> No, I don't think so. No. He's like, fuck it. I know it's uh, coming. I know death is around the corner. I know. His his innocence is lost now. Um, former Chiefs assistant coach Britt Reed has pled not guilty to DWI while driving like a bat out of hell and smashing into a parked car that put a five-year-old girl in a coma for about a month and has now given her permanent brain damage. Yeah, he said wow. not guilty. Not guilty to that. Is she white, the girl? I don't think so. Oh, she's black? Because that means her CTE, she's not going to qualify. I know. (laughs) How dumb were you as a black five-year-old girl? (laughs) You didn't know shit. That's three strikes. Black, five, And a girl. (laughs) Moron. She didn't know nothing. (laughs) No way she's getting a settlement. She didn't even know her fucking ABCs. (laughs) Shit. It's a horrible story. It is a horrible story, uh, And Britt Reed appear, appears to be a horrible... And you're saying it like he's just a member of the staff. This is also Andy Reed's son. That's the part Correct. that you... The, Andy Reed, yeah. the coach of the team, his son out here wilding. And it's not his first time either. No. Uh, and uh, and not this his was first. the week before the Super Bowl, right? It's the day. The day before the before Super Bowl. Before the Super Bowl. Out here The day out. before the Super Bowl. Crazy. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I hope he gets the maximum penalty. This guy seems like Me a real too, man. knucklehead. It's one of these entitled rich kid things, man. Mm-hmm. Grew up having everything. Got a job given to him by his dad. Yep. And uh, just thinking he was above the law. Yep. And, uh, yeah, this uh, 
what they call it? The those kid that kid that did some that killed that girl and then or they called it affluence. Oh, suffered from affluence. Yes, I remember that. He, Where like, was that? He didn't didn't spend time in jail because they said he's he, an affluent sufferer. Yeah, I'm suffering from being born rich. Yeah, he's, he's he can't he can't do it. That's insane. That is some crazy shit. That's aflu- affluenza. Affluenza. Oh my god. A psychological malaise supposedly affecting wealthy people. Oh, it's so disgusting. I hope I catch that disease. <laughs> I want my kids to have affluenza. Give it to me. <laughs> if it comes with all the money, I'll take the disease. Uh, I will. I'm, anti- I'm anti-vaxing on. Uh... <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Affluenza. That's a, this lawyer brought it up. Like uh, this kid, obviously. He couldn't help himself. Uh, you know, he's he's rich, and I think he he. I want to say he raped a girl, raped a or like a, assaulted a, a girl. Insane. That is absolutely insane. Unbelievable. Uh, moving on to Juwan James. Yes, the, the t- one who was uh, guaranteed contract. He's got ten million in the bank, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> guaranteed contract from the Broncos. He gets injured off site. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they cut him. He's filed a grievance. He's looking to get fifteen million. Oh, really? Yep. Damn, he tried um, to up his salary. For- he's got a very interesting argument. He's <clears> claiming <throat> that the Broncos facility at the time uh, was not like COVID, like safe. And, and he has uh, he has alopecia. Yeah, and he's also claiming that the team basically told him not only like, hey, here's what we need you to do. We want you to work out off-site, and these are the things that we want you to do. And we also want you to help out some of our young guys and kind of get into the gym with them. And So he claims that he was basically doing what the Broncos were asking him to do. Wow. Um, if that's that's true, even more reason for them to give him at least half or something. Remember yeah. we were talking about that? Yep. I did not see it coming where he would get nothing and they think it's over with. The fact that they do that and then feel like, well, I mean, he's gone now, like that is going to go away. Such a douchey thing to do. That's how you know they don't have any faith in the uh, in the players' union. Exactly. Exactly. And then, like, less than 24 hours later, uh, news breaks with Juwan James again as he turns around and signs a two-year deal with the Ravens. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, the Ravens are going to pay him five hundred thousand just to spend a year rehabbing. See, like a, John Harbaugh, man, pay him five hundred grand to rehab, and then of course they would have access, assuming he passes a physical for next season. That's pretty good. Uh, and then they would be willing to pay him eight million in year two if everything goes according to plan. Obviously, yeah, pretty good tackle, former Dolphin. Uh, but he and and this COVID issue was he has alopecia and that puts him in like a higher risk group. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, I understand him being concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Not one because he opted out because of that too. Yeah. Uh, the last story I wanted to talk about, which this really brought back some memories. Uh, it was announced a few days ago that <laughs> the USFL yeah. is coming back in 2022 in the spring. They're going to have at least eight teams. Now, some of you are probably not old enough to remember this, and I post—I think I posted it on the Facebook page. I don't page. think I'm old enough. I know of it, but the I never watched it. The United States Football League, okay, uh, was quite a spectacle. Shout and they, out to Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to get into that. <laughs> they, um, so they, they, this was 
originally intended, I guess it was one of the, I don't know if it's the first time, but it was basically an attempt to do spring football, right? Mm. NFL season, you know, obviously ends in the wintertime. It's pretty smart. It's a pretty smart idea. Uh, and they were successful in luring some pretty big talent uh, their way. I mean, you had Doug Flutie. Mm-hmm. Played there. Herschel Walker, Walker started yeah. out his career. There yeah. were some others. Doug Williams, I think, played. Oh, did he? Steve okay. Young played in the USFL. I remember watching because we were obviously we were big Herschel Walker fans in my family. Mm. Uh and I remember being a little surprised that he wasn't I was like, what? He's not going in the NFL? Uh because he went to go play for the New Jersey Generals. Uh and that was the year that my grand my grandfather bought a giant satellite dish. Mm-hmm. One of those ones I remember those. that was so big that like it actually moved when you changed the channel oh, to wow. pick up the signal. Yeah. Uh, mostly he bought it because he wanted to watch Italian soccer, uh, but then he got excited he could use it to sort of tune in to New York TV to watch the New Jersey Generals. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so, but the most interesting thing about the USFL is the story behind how Trump Eventually, essentially, kind of single-handedly destroyed the league. Uh, he does that with everything he puts his hands on. Exactly, and there's this guy named Jeff Perlman who's who's written this book uh, about the demise of the USFL. Oh, I got to check that out. Uh, it's called Football for a Dollar. Okay. And so the story is thus: uh, Trump buys the New Jersey Generals, 1984. It's the second year of their existence in the USFL. He immediately tells the owners that playing football in the spring is an embarrassment. We have to play in the fall. We have to compete with the NFL. Then Trump turns around and has a secret meeting with the NFL commissioner at the time, Pete Rozelle. Tells Pete Rozelle, I don't give a shit about the USFL. I want an NFL franchise. What do I got to do to get one? So he more or less offers to throw the USFL under the bus if it means him getting an NFL team, right? Pete Rozelle, his response to Trump's face is like one of the most legendary moments in NFL history. He says, quote, as long as I am commissioner of this league, you will never have an NFL franchise. (laughs) Never. So, right, Trump's pissed, of course. He goes on to convince the other owners that he had negotiated this massive TV deal with several networks if they would be willing to move the USFL season to the fall. Whoa. Shocker. All of that turned out to be a lie. Bullshit, yeah. The USFL sues the NFL, claiming that they were monopolizing fall TV and that they were actively attempting to destroy the Sounds USFL. Sounds like a Trump idea, too. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, the jury in this lawsuit agreed with the USFL, mm-hmm. but they also agreed that the USFL was their own worst enemy by attempting to move their league to the fall yeah. and expanding too fast and spending too much money. Uh, and they likely would have failed miserably, uh, if they had succeeded with moving to the fall. So based on, on testimony from, you know, an outside marketing group that the USFL had paid like 6,000 to do research and all this kind of stuff, you know, it, they, they would have just completely gone off a cliff. Uh, so w- the jury essentially awarded the USFL. They said, okay, you're right. You win. NFL has done a wrong thing here, but you guys are idiots. So we're going to give you the minimum financial reward. It was $1. No. They got $1. 
in the settlement. <laughs> and another sort of famous moment in NFL history, apparently, I don't remember his name, but the owner of the New York Giants apparently was sitting next to Donald Trump in the courtroom uh, when they came back with the verdict saying, yes, uh, NFL is guilty. Of course, Trump was very excited. And then they said, yes, uh, but we're only awarding you $1. The owner of the New York Giants apparently reached into his coat pocket, pulled out $1 and handed it to Trump and said, here you go, buddy. (laughs) So good. Uh, So good. Yeah, most of the participants in the USFL, they blame Trump. Um you know, the and owner who declared just, war he just on the goes NFL. on and acts like nothing happened, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Interestingly enough, the NFL later adopted some USFL practices, such as the two point conversion. Yeah, smart. Uh, the coach's challenge flag also came from the USFL. Okay. Um, hey, I man, guess if the you hope. See something that works. I mean, obviously, the hope was that, you know, for the league wide, I think their hope was that. They were never going to really compete. But, I mean, both – I think hockey has done this. Basketball has definitely done it where you had a rival league. Yeah, wrestling. And some of the teams got kind of sort of brought in. Yeah, right? the NFL did it. NFL did the it. NFL and exactly. The, yeah. um, so they were hoping that that, that would happen. And, yeah, get and, absorbed. And Trump overplayed his hand as usual. What a surprise. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, but it sounds like a pretty cool book. I, 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 all this information that I'm telling you right now, I got from watching uh, this interview with Jeff Perlman on YouTube. Pretty nice. Uh, pretty cool idea. Yeah, very interesting. And the USFL is coming back. And it's coming back. Uh, they haven't said – I think they said they're going to have eight teams, but they haven't said which ones. Uh, they should do mixed gender. That would be interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like start bringing uh, men and women together. Yeah. Yeah. I Why think that would be – that could get people watching at the very least. Or they could do like a uh, – well, they have the Women's Football League, but like try to give it some give it some shine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The USFL teams. Let's see. Some of these names are quite funny. Where are they? Um, where? Arizona Wranglers? <laughs> They changed their name to the Arizona Outlaws at some point. Oh, cool. Birmingham Stallions. All right. The Boston Breakers. Yeah. Uh, Chicago Chicago Blitz. <laughs> Chicago. Denver Gold. Oh, no. Houston Gamblers. I like that. Huh. Jacksonville Bulls. Uh, some of these teams, you know. It, that's another. You can still see some of the like d- this Jacksonville Bulls team was, apparently was quite popular. And when the USFL folded, like this effort to get a team in Jacksonville, which is now the Jacksonville Jaguars, you can oh. see that direct connection. Los Angeles Express, the Memphis Showboats, Michigan Panthers, New Jersey Generals, Oakland Invaders. Oh. Mm-hmm. That don't have nothing to do with the Raiders. That's a little too close, I think. <laughs> Oklahoma Outlaws, Philadelphia Stars, the Pittsburgh Maulers, San Antonio Gunslingers. <laughs> Tampa Bay Bandits, Washington Generals, Orlando Renegades. Washington Generals. Uh, Washington Federals. Sorry. Oh, Federals. Sorry, I was going to say, because that's that the uh, globe, Globetrotters. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see which one of these, uh, you know, they say they're going to come back in, in a year or so, and, and we'll see if some of these old teams come back. Yeah, we'll see. Could be fascinating. All right. We don't have a music intro for this, so I'll just go. <laughs> 
<laughs> the AFC East Coaching Breakdown with Jonathan Rollins. Bouncing <laughs> sound. <laughs> All right. Uh, I just want to say that this one was uh, fun. This is fun to do. It's hard to do. And especially hard trying to not be biased. Okay. I am a Miami Dolphins fan. Right. And now I'm doing my division. And, you know, just saying that before I start, that it was hard to be unbiased. So check me, man. If I'm if I'm if I'm homering, check me, okay? I don't homer all you want. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to give a, an unbiased product. We have a, we have Bills fans. We have uh, we have Jets fans, right? And uh, we have Patriots fans That's that true. listen to this podcast, That's and true. Uh, I want them to know that I hate all of their guts. I can't believe we have <laughs> Jets fans. Yeah, yeah so, hey, they're here. Uh, so, uh, so here we go. Mm. AFC East. I, I'm doing it alphabetically because if I were to go in the order of uh, best to worst, I would start with Miami Dolphins. But uh, no, I'm just playing. that was the last one. <laughs> that was the last one. All right, but I'm going alphabetically uh, by mascot. So Buffalo Bills first. Uh, their coach is Sean McDermott. It's his fifth season. I didn't. Know, I know he'd been uh, at the helm that long. Mm. His background: he was originally hired by Ray Rhodes. Remember that guy to the Eagles, but was retained the next year when Andy Reid took over. So I want to say he's part of the Andy Reid coaching tree because mm-hmm. he was only under Ray Rhodes for one year. And I also think it's pretty cool when uh, uh, it tells a lot when somebody sticks around through different regimes. Mm-hmm. If they keep a guy on, then I'm like, oh, it must be something about that guy because normally coaches like start all over. Uh, his specialty was always on the defensive side of the ball. He coached linebackers and secondary in his tenure. Under his uh, tutelage in 2004, the Eagles sent both starting safeties, Brian Dawkins and Michael Lewis, to the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Says a lot about his coaching. Uh, that's impressive. I don't know if you remember that defense, but they used to be pretty sick. I don't know if you remember that Eagles defense. Uh, yeah. Brian Dawkins. And, man, uh, that team went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots. McDermott continued to deliver as a secondary coach, putting quality on the field. In 2009, he eventually took over the defensive coordinator for the aging and ill uh, um, Jim Johnson. I don't know if you remember that guy. He looked old as hell, man. Then he died uh, in the middle of the season. Oh, wow. Uh, He was known for his exotic blitzes, uh, Jim Johnson. And McDermott, uh, once he took over, he used a similar philosophy, and he kept the uh, Eagles defense among the top in the league until 2011 when he was fired. Hmm. Uh, McDermott was unemployed for a whopping two days before Ron Rivera brought him in to Carolina as defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. His defense has finished top 10 in the league from 2012 to 2015. And that 2015 team went to the Super Bowl and only gave up one touchdown in a losing effort to the Denver Broncos. Mm, I remember that. Uh, in 2017, McDermott was hired as the coach of the Buffalo Bills. They squeaked into the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor and Nathan Peterman. The next year... They missed the playoffs but returned in 2019 with the fifth seed and ended 2020 with an appearance in an AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. Increasingly better. Offense, uh, McDermott's hired Brian Dable as his offensive coordinator. Bay- Dable is a Belichick prodigy, spent some of his time as the offensive coordinator in Alabama. He considers Ooh. his offense <laughs> he considers his offense multiple. They focus on defensive weaknesses, and uh, Dayball is considered a stud of an offensive coordinator, part of the reason for Josh Allen's ascension. He puts his quarterbacks in position to be successful and make good decisions. He simplifies the offense. Mm. Uh, the Buffalo offense spreads the ball around and accumulates chunk plays at a top five rate in the league. The offense is down 
or can be downright explosive, as you know, especially adding Stephon Diggs. Yep. Defense. McDermott's area of expertise is overseen by veteran defensive coach and prior head coach Leslie Frazier. Mm-hmm. Frazier's been part of some good defenses, improving the Eagles, Bengals, Colts, and Vikings after joining their staffs. Buffalo's defensive staple is the four-man front. They operate primarily out of the 4-3 or nickel base, depending on what they're trying to defend. You know, 4-3 is four defensive linemen. Mm. Oh, I can tell everybody. Four defensive linemen, three linebackers is what I mean mm. with the 4-3. And the nickel is four defensive uh, – nickel is five, as in the, the money in the U.S. That means right. there's five defensive backs on the field. It's a nickel. Uh, if somebody says dime, that means there's six defensive backs. Mm. They say quarter, guess. <laughs> There's 25 <laughs> linemen. Uh, no? No, no, not at all. <laughs> You're very wrong. There's not 25 on the field ever, actually. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Fraser is flexible and sometimes aggressive in his play calling. His secondaries are normally his specialty. The defense last year was pretty middle of the pack. Another year of familiarity might show some improvement for that unit. Mm. Units. My thoughts, Sean McDermott has effectively turned this team around. It looks like Buffalo has found their head coach. He's nurtured relationships throughout his time in the league and has been able to lean back on those relationships to build a good, knowledgeable staff. It it pains me to say this, but I don't see how Buffalo isn't a top organization for the foreseeable future. The main thing McDermott has to worry about is his staff being poached as the league becomes more and more impressed by what they're doing up there in Buffalo. Mm, That's a good point. Uh, so that's what I got up for the Buffalo. Yeah, I think he's the real deal. I, uh. um, he seems to have that team firing on all cylinders. Uh, if they can, if they could create a good, a better defense, I mean, they'd yeah. be unstoppable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Another year with Allen. It depends if, that, if they could create a little more balance between the yeah. offense and the defense. It would yeah. be. I agree. That'd be scary. All right, we're going to move on to the next team in alphabetical order. Uh, it's the the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if you heard of them. Um, oh, are they good? Uh, are they good? I, I have no opinion on that, actually, <clears throat> no, when you ask. Uh, Brian Flores <laughs> is their coach. This is his third season. Brian uh, Background, Brian Flores is, is completely from the Belichick tree. He spent 15 years with that organization working in pretty much every department. He began as a scout, finding ways to try to improve the roster, Later, working special teams, linebacker, safeties, and defensive play caller. He called the plays in the 15-3 Patriots Super Bowl victory over the L.A. Rams and was hired the next day as the Dolphins head coach. Flores is known to deploy a a leader of men style of coaching, leaning on accountability and love of the game. He preaches integrity and team-first mentality. Offense, Chan Gailey retired from offensive coordinator. Now Miami Dolphins will try to have co-coordinators instead of just one guy. Eric Stutzville and George Gotze will split duties throughout the season, and it has not been revealed how they intend to split these duties up. Miami is said to be looking to implement a more vertical offense with much of the offense using RPO concepts as run-pass options. So the quarterback has to make a decision uh, if he gives the ball to the running back, and uh, normally it's a quick Quick decision. It's quick reads and pressures on the defense to make the right decision is their plan of attack. It remains to be seen if the co-coordinator approach is good or not. There are definitely plenty of skeptics. Defense. Defense is Brian Flores' forte, and Josh Boyer is the main is the man dispatched to oversee that side of the ball. Flores' first year was spent resolving salary cap woes, which Atlanta should do. 
uh, <laughs> which left the team completely devoid of talent. Winning five games in 2019 was considered a moral victory, especially after starting 0-7. 2020 showed vast improvement due to talent and allegedly culture change. Dolphins defense turned into a ball-hawking force that carried the team to victory on occasion. Mm. Josh Boyer's base defense is a 3-4. However, expect to see more teams utilizing the amoeba strategy that confused many quarterbacks in 2020. Amoeba is a defensive lineup where the defender puts his uh, where no defender puts his hand in the ground and can leave offensive linemen unsure of their blocking assignments. On many occasions, a free rusher is able to get a direct line to the quarterback due to the confusion. Hmm. This side of the ball is expected to improve as Boyer gets a full offseason to add more wrinkles to his scheme. Interesting. My thoughts? Yes. Brian Flores is the best coach to ever wear a whistle around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real. Homer alert. <laughs> <laughs> Homer. Homer. <laughs> no, but for real, he seems to be the real deal. He uh, has achieved stability on the defensive side of the ball, but it can't go unnoticed that his leadership isn't adored by all. Patrick Graham was a good defensive coordinator that jumped ship for a lateral move to the New York Giants. This is also the third season, his third season, and his third offensive coordinator change. Mm. Now there will be two guys in the ear of a second-year quarterback. Is that the best scenario? I'm obviously glad that Mike, that Brian Flores is in Miami, and I believe he'll successfully break the Belichick curse from the Belichick tree. Mm. Uh, from the 5-4 finish in 2010 to a 10-win season in 2020, to the video team, the team made about empty NFL words, to 73 players showing up mm. to this offseason's voluntary practice, I have to believe Miami is in good hands. I would agree with that. I like Brian Flores as well. Um, and I especially am impressed with what the way they've turned this team around in a very short amount of time. Uh, it does make me wish that the Atlanta Falcons were taking notes. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I mean the, only, the big question this year is, you know, it's sink or swim for Tua. And I, it's interesting. I didn't know about the two coordinators. What's that going to be like to have two guys in his ear? Yeah. That's a... That's a very interesting question. Yeah. Um, yep. So uh, on to the New York Jets, Robert Saleh. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that. First season. Mm-hmm. Background, Robert Saleh has bounced around the league for 17 years. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't assign him to a coaching tree per se. It could be stated that he's the first from the Kyle Shanahan tree, since that's where he was a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Before that, he worked on defensive staffs of Gus Bradley in Jacksonville, Pete Carroll, Yes, he coached the Legion of Boom defense, Gary Kubiak in Houston, and Dom Capers in Houston. Him getting retained on that Houston staff after a 2-14 season must mean he stands out somehow. Saleh is best known for his intensity on the San Francisco sidelines. The team famously, as you probably know, has a person dedicated to yes. pulling him back on the sidelines so they don't get a penalty for him going out on the field. He whipped up a six-best defense in the NFL for that San Francisco Super Bowl year. The word about Saleh is that he is an intense leader of men. His staff is comprised of new faces and seasoned veterans. In my opinion, that signals confidence in his own abilities. Saleh is stepping into a mess in New York. Mm. And and the the notoriously unforgiving media and fan base are sure to make this a tough assignment for him. We'll see if he's up to test. Well, and Zach Wilson's mom is going to be breathing down his (laughs) neck, too. So we'll see how that goes. He allegedly has an affair with Zach Wilson's mother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just to shut her up. <laughs> Had to do it. So. Uh, <laughs> on offense, Saleh stuck with the with the Shanahan way, choosing Mike LaFleur 
as an offensive coordinator. LaFleur is a Shanahan disciple and plans to implement a West Coast offense. Huh. Uh, he says he'll tailor the playbook to the personnel and use outside zone and play action. For info, outside zone is a running scheme that requires linemen to block a specific area on the field instead of taking it on a particular defender. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's father, Mike Shanahan, if you remember, mm-hmm. brought that style of line play to the Denver Broncos while he was coaching there. Kyle Shanahan uses it along with a lot of the league now, and now young LaFleur, and now young LaFleur, he is the brother of Matt LaFleur, uh, the coach in uh, Green Bay. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I thought it sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. I was gonna, uh, New York will have to field quick athletic linemen for this to work out for them. Big and strong alone won't cut it. Their running backs will have to be smart and patient as well. Kyle Shanahan has always been considered a very good very good on that side of the ball, so Salah has to hope LaFleur is equally sharp. Fun fact about Matt, Mike LaFleur is his older brother's Matt LaFleur, coach of Green Bay Packers. Let's hope that Mike can avoid a heaping shit pile of quarterback controversy while he's in New York. Because mm. <laughs> that's what Matt is dealing with now with the, in Green Bay. They also appear to be sitting on a pile of cap money. That they're just not oh, using the Jets. Yeah, for some yeah. reason. Everyone's like, what are you guys doing? Yes. Uh, uh, Jacksonville, too. Yeah. Both teams uh, that had the high salary cap. All right. On defense, defense is Robert Sala. <laughs> it seems like I keep saying that. Robert Sala is forte, just like mm. Brian Flores, just like uh, McDermott. Though we know New York J- Jets coaches don't always deliver on their fortes. Nope. Adam Gase's last... <laughs> in the league offense last year proved that. What? But he wasn't a, good? <laughs> but it's a new era, and Saleh has dispatched Jeff Ulbrich, an eight-year veteran and former Falcons play caller, <laughs> to be his <laughs> defensive coordinator. Good luck with that. Ulbrich is a former player who is said to be intense, as Saleh is. He's a, uh, this is a reunion between them. They were both on the Seahawks staff together. Uh-huh. Ulbrich was on special teams. There and uh, he plans to run a four-three defense, which shouldn't be a tough transition from the Gase era because mm. the personnel is pretty set up like that. He says he works his players. He wants his players to outwork the other team, and then he doesn't intend to disguise out of the base defense that much. And that sounds to me like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Atlanta's defense did, however, improve once Ulbrich took over play calling. Mm. Once they fired, uh, what's the name, Dan Quinn, right? Oh what's yeah, Dan Quinn. Uh, my thoughts, I hope with all my heart that the Jets will continue their streak of shittiness. <laughs> but my instincts tell me Robert Saleh will make them at least respectable. He's put in the time and has seen how things are done at working organizations as well as struggling org- organizations. That knowledge may help him avoid some pitfalls. I like how he's built his staff. It's diverse in age, ethnicity, and experience. And that increases opportunities for different players to be reached and related to. I always liked his passion, and I root for him, though I don't like what I heard from his defensive coordinator. That's the one area that he's an expert in and should be able to step in and keep things from being disastrous. Or? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I I just wonder if he's going to have trouble with the Jets' ownership because they seem to be their own little pile of hot mess as well. Uh, Could that be the reason why they're not spending any money at the moment? I have no idea. Mm. Um, uh, and if they make a change there again, it's going to be tough, man. I think the Jets have a lot of problems that they need to fix, and and the other thing, one of the th- as much as I kind of respect him and and find his energy kind of entertaining, mm-hmm. uh, 
that kind of like weird macho leader of men bullshit yeah. starts to look really dumb when you only win two or three games a year. Yeah, and you're not putting a physical team out. You know what I mean? If your yeah. team's getting pushed if around. If your team doesn't match your energy, yeah, it's like. It doesn't matter. What are you doing? Yeah. It gets kind of ridiculous. So Yeah, Dan whatever. Campbell might prove that for us. We'll get to him later uh, when, oh, yeah. when we get to yeah, that exactly. division. Who's, uh, who's the next? the final team. Who else? But the New England Patriots. Oh my God! <laughs> uh, uh, Bill Belichick is in his twenty-first season. Mm-hmm. He's the longest tenured coach in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, background: the hooded genius, as he's affectionately referred to, has been coaching since nineteen seventy-five. Mm. He himself comes from the Parcells coaching tree. Uh, he worked his way up to defensive coordinator under Parcells and was instrumental in that Super Bowl-winning Giants season. They beat the Buffalo Bills. He had a failed stint with the Cleveland Browns, and then he took the Jets' job only to resign the next day publicly mm. at a press conference. Oh, I remember that. He wrote it on a napkin. Yeah. <laughs> I quit. I quit. Uh, <laughs> or I resigned. Uh, uh, oh, man, it's messed up. Uh, and then he took the uh, the Patriots' job. And I'm, my guess is that he took it because he got so much power in uh, New England. Yeah. Because they didn't have a, G- a GM. He took those responsibilities, and then he worked side by side with Scott Pioli for a long time, um, making all the decisions. So he built that team. Uh, his resume speaks for himself. 31 playoff wins, 17 division titles, six Super Bowl victories as a head coach, uh, a head coaching record at New England of 244 and 92. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he hasn't even lost 100 games yet after coaching for 21 years. Wow. Uh, I can't not mention that Belichick was punished for overt cheating. On multiple occasions. Yeah. Uh, so I got to throw that out there. The tapes of practices and walkthroughs that he orchestrated were so damaging that the NFL destroyed them. He has to be the... Cheatingest motherfucker in uh, uh, NFL coaching history. Uh, many people place asterisks next, next to their first three Super Bowl victories, but I, I would still, be one of them. <laughs> I still, even though I do, it is about rivalry and everything. I think he's the best NFL coach ever. Hmm. Even to the fa- the point, of like a little small thing to throw in it that I don't have written down here, and I might sound like I'm sucking on some Belichick penis right now. But <laughs> do you remember that season when when he found the wrinkle? That uh, he could put an extra skill player on the field that acts as a blocker. Oh yeah, and yeah. it and it confuses the defense because they're like, "What is this guy doing?" Yeah, and then the guy would just run straight back. Yeah, and they were trying to defend him because it's a running back, but he's basically a tackle. Yeah, but he's just wearing like the number thirty three or whatever, <laughs> and they're just like, "What is going?" And he's confusing them. It was the Ravens they played against. Yeah, they were so confused, and he's just like, "I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing in the rule books that says I can't do that." Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah. my god!" And then the whole thing with the uh, running the clock that he's showing the league that uh, mm. this is a a glitch in the system, and then Mike Vrabel did it to him, and all that. So the dude's just just loves the game, and he's a great coach. Uh, on offense, they have Josh McDaniels. He runs things for Bill Belichick. He's considered one of the best in the, in the business at creating a multiple flexible offense while um, exploiting uh, defensive weaknesses. They normally try to establish the run and exploit defensive holes with quick, short routes and change of pace. That's one thing they use a lot is change of pace. His best asset is his versatility from week to week. Of course, that was more evident with Tom Brady at the quarterback position. The offense never really got going under Cam Newton. 
Newton is still there, so McDaniels is going to have to make do. He's been hired away from the New England uh, Patriots twice in his career, and he keeps on coming back to daddy. His familiarity with the Belichick way should inspire confidence that this side of the ball will be all right. Defense, guess who else tucked his tail between his legs and came back home to daddy? Mm. Matt Patricia mm-hmm. is back in New England yep. the, after an unsuccessful rocket, rocket scientist. Yeah, yeah, this like is rocket scientist. Yeah. Unsuccessful stint in Detroit. The biggest knock on Patricia was that he didn't adjust to his personnel while in the Motor City. Mm. That may not be as much of an issue with the guidance and familiarity of Bill Belichick. Uh, they'll continue running a multiple defense out of a three-four base, and they'll be flexible and adjust as they always have. Uh, the Patriots tend to defend from outside in, meaning cornerbacks cover well, put pressure on the opposing quarterback to hold the ball longer so the front of the defense could get home. Hmm. And that's the same style that uh, that Brian Flores brought to Miami too, right. focusing on cornerback play. And the Patriots have been doing that for before the league caught on. Mm-hmm. Like the back in the Ty Law days. And, oh, yeah. Uh, my thoughts, the boys are back in town and Belichick's out for blood. He wants to prove that he still got it, and this is the year to do it. The Corona opt-outs return. They've been aggressive in free agency for once, and they had what experts considered a good draft. Having his coaching staff back could be the last bit of the good old days that can get this ship righted. On the other hand, the division is not what it used to be. Buffalo can be scary, and Miami's on the rise. The question mark at quarterback could be the biggest factor. If Cam turns Back the clock or Mac Jones is the real deal, then I don't see how the Patriots don't win 12 games. Things mm. are as they should be for Bill and company. I think... Um, Am I being too nice? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it, To me, the most interesting thing is what what's going to be their quarterback situation. Like, how patient are they going to be with Cam Newton, considering how bad he was yeah. last year? What did they go, 7-9 um, last year? Yeah, but he was bad. Oh, I agree. He was so bad last year. Uh, but you're right. They do have a lot of the, you know, they had the team that had the most holds out, holdouts because yeah. of COVID. All those guys are coming back. Uh, or I don't know, maybe not all of them, but most of them. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they won seven games with that. Too. And they came on at the end of the year. I mean. The defense yeah. was, uh, was. Despite being the cheatingest ago. coach in NFL history. <laughs> yeah. uh, he is third in all-time victories uh, behind your guy. Well, behind George Hallis and uh, Shula. Don Shula. Um, he's got 17 division titles, which is the most by any head coach in NFL history. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt he's a great coach. Uh, does he cheat? Probably. Sure. Find an advantage. That's probably what he says. I'm just finding an advantage. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, is what they say. All right, so rank the coaching staffs. First to fourth. Uh, let's see. Remind me again. We got Belichick, it's the Salah. AFCs. It's Belichick, Salah, uh, McDermott, and Flores. Okay, I'm going to go. Well, part I guess Salah is at the bottom. Okay. His first year mm-hmm. as a head coach. So until he shows me that he's a good head coach, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, number three. Uh, number three, I guess I would say Flores. Okay. 
then McDermott, and then Belichick. So you still put Belichick at the top? Yeah. 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 I got it. Uh, Belichick's first, Flores second, McDermott third, and then Salah. Homer oh. alert. <laughs> Second. I think uh, no, you're right. He, he could, he, I, I think he's we'll a better. This coach. year, we, I can tell you this: this year will be a, an extremely pivotal year yeah. for Flores. Yeah, because it's going to be after the turnaround. You had this weird kind of two is in, two is out last season, yeah. but now it's sink or swim. Yeah. If he has a killer season, uh, I would agree with you. Yeah, or if he doesn't, and they still win. Yeah. We're talking about coaching, not just Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. But I'm just saying he he's already done a magnificent job turning that team around for sure. Uh especially the defense. I mean that Dolphins D is like pff, this past season it was like just go ahead and give them a pick six because it's gonna yeah, happen. It's gonna happen. It was yeah. like an automatic. <laughs> like, yeah, the Dolphins are gonna get one pick six, so let's just go ahead and give them that. Yeah. Uh so that's, yeah, kinda... that's what he turned he, he made the defense, but we gotta see if the offense is gonna work because he's still gonna need offense. Mm. It's like the opposite of that uh Tennessee Titans thing. But you got some weapons. Yeah. Got some weapons now. Yes. I'm excited, man. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. And I want Flo- I'm hoping that Flo- I'm right. But then again, I like that it's pretty even though mm-hmm. of of those top three. Will the you know, the yeah. like Belichick, I don't think he's that far ahead of McDermott. I don't think he's that far ahead of Flores. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't It's hard to say. Oh, McDermott and I think McDermott and Flores are interchangeable. I agree. McDermott they're battling has it out five for years, number two. For number two, yeah. yeah exactly. I agree. That's what, I need to stop tripping. It's not like they're. Belichick <laughs> <laughs> Kurt coach circles around them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. All right, man. This was fun. Yep. Uh, next week, we're going to do the AFC South. No, NFC South. Oh, that's me. We're doing your boys. Whoop, whoop. So next week we're gonna uh, deep dive into the NFC South coaching staffs. And uh, yes, tell let- me about my new coach. I know nothing about <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, let me know if you guys like this, man. If we uh, could keep this going, or if there's more, if there's information that you'd like to know, uh, just hit hit me up in the uh, in the Facebook group, uh, NFL Pod Group, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hit us up, man. It's been quiet in there in the off season. Let's get back. Let's get it back going. Mm. And uh, to support us or to join our fantasy football league, SvenFL, uh, it's patreon.com slash SvenFL uh, to donate. Uh, and if you donate something, then you're eligible for the fantasy football squads. So that'll be fun, too. And we're going to have a party uh, to, to kick the season off. So mm. uh, come join. Uh, thanks so much uh, for... Listening to this episode of Spin NFL has been Jonathan Rollins. Give me Zara. And we will catch y'all next time. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.